0: You're listening to a sermon from org. Question for you. Have you been involved in any cosmic battles between good and evil lately? Anyone? No, No secret superheroes sitting amongst us? Probably the closest we come to being involved in an epic battle between good and evil is at the cinema watching whatever the latest Marvel movie release happens to be. Any fans of the Marvel movies here? A couple. Uh, Since 2008, there have been 21 different movie releases that all feature different Marvel characters from this world and other worlds who all seem to be involved in a cosmic battle of good versus evil uh, for the salvation of planet Earth and, and its freedom from whatever form of evil or alien or other life form seems to threaten its peace. But I, I think that Easter and Exodus are the real Marvel movies. Uh, they are both cosmic battles between good and evil and they are a battle to sort out once and for all who is king? Who is king? Who has the right to claim ownership over the earth and its people? And they're, they're battles of freedom and belonging and identity. They are a battle for the peace of humanity. Of course, in Exodus, it's, the question is, will the, 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 the winner, will it be a, a genocidal maniac who is a self-declared god you know, will it be Pharaoh? Will it be Egypt and all of the gods of Egypt? Uh, will it be this nation that has significant military power and economic might? Will they be the, the winners, the champions? Will it be the nation that's big and showy and powerful? Or will it be the mysterious God of an insignificant slave people? Will it be the Lord? The story of Jesus at Easter in many ways parallels the Exodus story. More than that, uh, the story of Jesus at Easter is actually a continuation um, and it's, it's the next and most spectacular instalment in God's declaration that he is king and he has the right to claim rulership over the earth and all of its people. Yeah, amen, I'll say. Now, last week, we, we looked at Moses and, and how Moses and his people had the selective hearing. You remember that? Selective hearing, selective obedience. And it causes a few problems for them, doesn't it? It causes problems for everyone from Moses to the people to even Pharaoh. And they all seem to end up getting a bit cranky and annoyed. God's solution to the problem was what? God's solution was just to remind Moses of who he, the Lord, is what he, the Lord, would do to bring about the freedom of these oppressed and enslaved people. And so the focus in our Exodus story now shifts away from Moses and onto God and God's miraculous work. The people have finally figured out that it's, it's God's showdown. This is God's story. God will do it. They don't need to improve or alter God's plans. They just implement the plans and God will work through them. And if you would open your Bibles and have a look in Exodus chapter 7, verse 6, we see that finally, finally, Moses does just what the Lord commanded. Moses did exactly what the Lord commanded. And we then move into the chapters 8 to 10 and it's the series of the the famous plagues. I think most of us are familiar with the plagues in the book of of Exodus. And what these plagues do is they serve as a sign to Pharaoh but also a sign to the Hebrews that the Lord, Yahweh, is in control, the God of creation. He is the one who has power and authority over the land, the people, nature and, and by all the miracles that he performs... You will know, the people will know that I am Lord and I am in this land, that I am present, that I am close, that I am not a distant or aloof God. And that people will know that he makes a distinction between um, his own people and the other people, between my followers and your followers. And if you were to have a read there through uh, chapter 717 and chapter 822 to 23, you'd see some of those themes coming out. We won't read them today, we don't have time. But I encourage you to go home and have a, have a bit of a look. You know, we, we often live in a world that disputes the existence of God, don't we? Yeah. Um, and even when our world does acknowledge the existence of God, they They sort of see God as some sort of deity or um, uh, sort of energy thing <laughs> somewhere out there, kind of distant and far removed. I was reading someone 's um, Facebook post actually, and they'd posted on um, last night, I think it was, and they were talking about how. With the full moon, you can wash your crystals and pop them out to absorb all the moon's energy and the earth's energies will recharge them and, and that will bring good things into your life. And, you know, there's, there's sort of that idea that there is some sort of cosmic life form and energy out there, uh, but it's, it's, it's out there and it's distant. And it's kind of the onus is on you, on on being able to kind of tap into that that energy source. Um. But the, these plagues, these plagues are very deliberately there as a reminder to the Hebrews, as a reminder to the pharaohs, and as a reminder to us that God is close. He is close and intimately involved in, in human affairs. Intimately involved in human affairs. He's present and he has control over what's happening in human affairs. Chapter 9, verse 14 to 16 Uh, you know there's a there's a series of of plagues that god puts in place and then we get to chapter nine and and god's taking things up a notch and he threatens the full force of all of his plagues will come down upon egypt and the pharaoh if his people were not given their freedom and these plagues are a really clear and indisputable sign of god's sovereign power upon the earth and we're all presented with two choices here in this story you can either get with God's program be on his side or you can end up on the losing team and suffer the consequences it's kind of there's no middle ground here you're either on God's team or you're on the losing team have you ever been on the losing team The, the the side that lost the battle lost the game got wiped out in the process yep any football fans here is your team going to win this season? No. no. <laughs> you're going to be on the losing team. You'd better make some new choices. <laughs> oh, it helps your faith. That's a good one. Faith journey. Okay. All right. You know, you're just always full of hope there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Hey, look, I wouldn't be alone, would I? And sometimes, ask, sometimes asking the question, is God really real? God, are you really, really, are you really in control of things? I mean, really, am I playing on the winning team? Will you look after me, God? You know, do you actually have the power to change things in this world? Because you know what, that's the question the Hebrew slaves were asking. And that's the question a lot of people in our world today ask. And, and maybe it's a question you sometimes ask too. You know, can I rely on you, God, to bring freedom in my life to those things that keep me imprisoned? Those things that cause me to live a life that's less than human. A life as a slave or a prisoner to other people's expectations, to my own expectations, a slave to, to my experiences, a slave to my shortcomings. These are the sorts of questions that Exodus asks and answers. And you know what? These are the questions that Easter asks and answers and so to to an identity that that says work hard to be valuable to a mindset that says you are nothing of significance to a heart that says shame and rejection is 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 all you've experienced in the past and it's all you're going to always get to all of those things God's presence and God's power breaks in and brings the miracle of freedom who needs a miracle of freedom this Easter who needs a miracle of freedom this easter Mm, yeah exodus and easter are both cosmic battles between good and evil and they're a battle to sort out once and for all who is king who has the right to claim ownership over the earth and over you and it's a battle of freedom and a battle of identity and a battle of belonging and so as we come to this, this climax in the Exodus story, we come to the, what's called the Freedom Day celebrations of the Hebrew people. Do you know what the Freedom Day celebrations of the Hebrew people are? Passover. Passover. And this is leading into the final plague. This is the, the one act that will finally bring the freedom of God's people. The other plagues, they've just been warning shots. Just firing a few blanks just to, you know, get Pharaoh's attention. But this is the fatal blow and the one that results in Pharaoh not just saying the Hebrews can go, but in him actually wanting to drive them out completely. So in chapter 11, we see the plague on the firstborn. And we're going to pick up from verse 4, chapter 11, verse 4, and we're going to read. So Moses said, This is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son in Egypt will die, from the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the firstborn son of the female slave, who is at a handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than there has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any person or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. This plague will come upon all of Egypt, but God will make a distinction on who? His people, on his people. And the Hebrews are to take a lamb and they're to kill it and they're to paint the blood of the lamb on the sides and the tops of the door frames in their houses. You can read that in, in chapter 12, verse 3, 6 and 7. They then need to roast the lamb and eat the lamb. It's all a bit gruesome, really, isn't it? I mean, it's a bit odd when you stop and think about it. Can you imagine what your neighbors would think um, if we did this at Easter? Like chocolate is a pretty socially acceptable way to celebrate a religious holiday, isn't it? Uh, but painting a house with blood, ah, maybe not so acceptable. The blood here, it's not magical. It's a sign. It's a symbol. Of the Hebrews' identity as being one of God's people, belonging to Him and under His protection. So it's not like this blood is, is kryptonite for the death angel. It's not supposed to be like garlic for vampires. It's actually an act of faith, it's an act of belonging, and it's an act of identity. Chapter twelve, Verse twelve. For I will go throughout the land of Egypt on that night, and I will strike down all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you live, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you and destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. And so by putting the blood on their doors, they're proclaiming, I belong to God. I am one of his people. This is my identity. This is who I am. Uh, Because it's not that God doesn't know where his people are. You know, it's not that God kind of is a bit clueless about, well, who are my people, where do they live, which are the right houses, or oh, what if I get it wrong? Gosh, I'd better get them to, you know, put a flag out or something. Uh, you'll see in some of the other uh, plagues, if you go back and have a read, that um, not all of the plagues affect the Hebrew areas. Uh, so, so some of the plagues just fall on the Egyptian homes and people and areas. But, but God makes an exception to his people and the plagues aren't experienced there. So, so God clearly knows how to avoid his people getting caught up in the, the aftermath. This is actually a sign for the Hebrews. This is for them. This isn't for God. This isn't for the Egyptians. This is for them. This is a sign that assures them that they will be safe assures them that they're in God's hands and that they're under his protection that they belong to him you have a look there in verse 13 the blood will be a sign okay so the blood is a sign and it will be a sign for you on the houses where you live. it will be a sign for you the blood is a symbol the blood is a declaration that yahweh is lord over all the gods of egypt Uh, and the spiritual entities and forces that, that hustle for power and control in egypt this this blood and the plague of the firstborn sons is a declaration of judgment upon those gods that seek to control and enslave god's people these forces and gods do not get the final say Yahweh steps in and he liberates his people and there will be consequences for those who are on the opposing team. It's not just that God brings freedom to his people, it's that he also brings justice and judgment upon those whose actions and allegiances have resulted in evil. There are consequences for the nation and for the people who do not honour God. In our world today, evil and injustice often seem to be flourishing, don't they? And it might look like evil is getting the upper hand or getting a free rein. Have you experienced an injustice? Is someone perhaps not treating you fairly? Has someone sinned against you? And I don't just mean you know they've looked at you the wrong way and you got a bit offended. Okay. I don't mean they, you know, they got your coffee order wrong at Gloria Jeans, you know, like, like you asked for your latte to be in a mug and they put it in a glass and now you're offended at the injustice that has been done to you because they got your coffee wrong. And I'm not speaking for experience, am I? <laughs> uh, I mean you know, a significant thing that someone has done to you that is wrong and it's impinged upon your freedom in some way. Perhaps you know someone whose freedom has been restricted in some way because of the unjust actions of a person or a, a corporation or, or, or someone or something. I mean, you think about the royal commissions that have been held into banking and aged care. Like, There's injustice in our world. There's injustice in our country. People are treated wrongly. People are treated fairly. And, and what are the, the ongoing long-term consequences? those injustices exodus and easter are stories that tell us that god has dealt with evil before and he will deal with evil again he will bring justice exodus 12 verse 14 this is a day you are to commemorate for the generations to come you shall celebrate it as a festival to the lord a lasting ordinance so every year they're told that they need to hold a special festival to remember the Exodus. And they call it the Passover festival. And it's to be the first month on their religious calendar. Uh, verse, chapter 12 verse 2 talks about that. It's to be the first month on their religious calendar. Now, now it'd be easy to gloss over that little uh, statement. But it's a really interesting, important, significant little statement because what it tells us is that this event, this Passover, this, this, uh, this Exodus from Egypt, this is to be one of new beginnings. The Exodus is a new start and a clean beginning for God's people. Who loves new starts and clean beginnings? Mm. Who loves like getting a new piece of furniture, or a new car, or a new house, you know, a fresh start? And, and you know, you get that new, whatever it is, new lounge or new something, and you're going to take extra special care of it, aren't you? You're going to keep it really clean and in really good condition. I remember when we got our, our black car, and we got it when all three of our children were still in car seats. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? All three of them in their little car seats lined up in the back seat there. All right. And our initial rule: no food in the car okay because because we wanted to keep this this beautiful fresh nice smelling car looking new all right because you know food plus toddlers plus preschoolers equals disaster that lasted till our first long trip when we, you know, we'd just be tossing food behind us. Stop fighting, be quiet, we can't stop yet, shush, eat, eat. <laughs> and so after about eight years of kids plus food plus car, I'm really looking forward to a fresh new start in a new car one day in the hopefully not too distant future. This is the Exodus, the Passover, this is a new beginning for the Hebrews it's a new identity for them as a nation because they are no longer called slave they are called free and and with this freedom comes the dignity and value and worth that they never had as slaves and God wants them to remember this and to celebrate this with a festival that becomes known as the Passover he says don't forget what I've done remember this remember who I am remember what I have done this is, really, this is really important because all of us, we can experience God's work and God's freedom, but we forget it, don't we? Our, our memories get a bit dim and distant. And it helps to regularly remind ourselves of God's mighty work in our lives. Do you ever get discouraged? Something's not quite how you want it to be and you're like, oh, it's all hopeless, it's happening again and and you're worried about something. And and, and when we've got these problems happening for us, it, it can feel like the present is all there ever is, all there ever was and all there ever will be. Like the present becomes the strongest reality for you in that moment. And we get so isolated in our current circumstances and we forget that God met our needs last time God provided it for us in amazing ways last time. God's presence back then was so vibrant and so real and and so incredible in our life. And we forget what God's been doing in other people's lives around us. And we forget what God's promised to us in his word. And we forget as we get eaten up in the difficulties of our present circumstances. And so God tells us to regularly meet together with each other. Remember, celebrate God's saving acts of grace. I encourage you, you know, keep a journal or something. Write down this stuff of when God has provided for you, when he's been real and fresh and alive in your life so you can go back in those times and remember and remind yourself. Um, Share testimonies with each other. If you have a testimony that you want to share with the church Come and let me know about it. I'd love to have you come and stand up on a Sunday and share your testimony of God's saving acts of grace, his His provision for you, his realness in your life because it's going to stir up the rest of us and stir up faith for us. Now, where the Israelites or the Jews celebrate Passover as part of God's faithfulness to them over generations, as Christians, we get to go one step further. And we celebrate God's it is finished deliverance that Jesus Christ brings. And of course, we celebrate the it is finished deliverance at Easter, don't we? So Exodus is a battle of God versus Pharaoh. And uh, at Easter, we see the battle between Jesus versus evil and sin that enslaves humanity so where where pharaoh was the 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 evil that enslaved god's people at easter we we reflect on the the evil of sin and death that enslaves humanity and the battle between jesus and evil and uh, the defeat of evil And we see in Exodus, we see miraculous supernatural plagues as a demonstration of God's power to do this, his power over all things in creation, his power that surpasses Pharaoh and surpasses Pharaoh's magicians and sorcerers. And then if we flip over to Easter, we we see in the New Testament, the miracles that are performed by Jesus. And these miracles are a sign of his authority and his sovereign power over all things in creation. His miracles and his power over nature and disease and the human body. The power of God in all his fullness rests in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our Passover lamb who was sacrificed. 1 Corinthians 5.7 Jesus is our Passover lamb who has been sacrificed. Just as the blood of the lamb in Exodus was sprinkled on the wooden beams of each family's de- dwelling at Easter we remember the blood of the lamb Jesus Christ that sprinkled upon the wooden beams of the cross and his life sacrificed for our life his blood that marks us as belonging to God his blood as a sign or a promise of Jesus now passing over our sin And it protects us from judgment and death and gives us entry into the promised land, which is eternal life with God. And in the same way that the the blood was to be a sign to the Hebrews that they were secure and protected from the final plague of death, the work of Jesus on the cross should serve to us as an ongoing sign that we are secure and safe in Christ. Pharaoh cannot touch us death cannot touch us evil has no rule or power over us this is the it is finished of the easter story this is the it is finished of the easter story you know what in the same way that the the hebrews had to apply the blood of the lamb to their own homes we've also got to take hold of that sacrifice of jesus and apply it to our own lives you know, it's no good for the Easter story to be some sort of distant, far removed back then story. It, it must be more to us than an event that happened 2,000 years ago. It must be more than an excuse to go camping and eat chocolate eggs over a long weekend. It must be your Easter. It must be your Easter. It must be your Exodus. It must be your deliverance from oppression and slavery. Your exodus from evil. You must apply the blood of the lamb to your life. You must be marked as belonging to God. Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me your old self that sin self has been put to death it's been crucified with christ i have been crucified with christ you must identify with christ i no longer live but christ lives in me you know you, you the, the sin you no longer lives If you are in Christ, the sin you no longer lives. The broken you, the selfish you, the angry you, the cynical you, the addicted you, the hopeless you, the the useless, the lost you. The you that looks for approval and significance. The you that has been bruised by rejection and shame. It is gone. It is finished. Galatians one. it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, stand firm, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. If you are free, do not let the things of your old self continue to rule and have power in your life. Stand firm. Do not allow yourself to enter back into the slavery and the oppression of your old way of life. Don't let it happen. Easter for all of us must mark the new beginning of a new way of life and a new way of thinking, a way that is is fully and truly human in the sense of being made in God's image to reflect himself, a Jesus way of being human. And, And this is the freedom that must characterize your life from this day forward. No longer will you fear the work of sin or evil forces in your life. No longer will you fear that. Stand firm against them. Don't let them intimidate you or or think that they have more power in your life than the presence of Jesus does. You don't need to fight them. You don't need to battle against these forces that that seek to uh, oppress and enslave you and pull you away from God because you are marked by the blood of the Lamb. You are marked as belonging to God. Uh, This is your new identity and your surest hope. And the enemy cannot touch you. Pharaoh cannot touch you. The Hebrews didn't battle against Pharaoh, did they? I mean, they would be futile. They'd be powerless against Pharaoh. They just stood firm in their identity as people of God. They stood firm in their identity as people of God. And they followed God's instructions to them, and God was their saviour, and God was their deliverer. This, this stuff, it's, it's about trusting God about trusting God rather than fighting a battle against the enemy of sin and death you know this is about allowing God to put to death our enemy and God says it is done and God says it is finished so for us Exodus and Easter raises these questions these are some questions for you who is king over me who is king over me The more telling question probably is, what difference does this actually make in my life? I mean, does, does King Jesus change who I am and what I do and how I think? And if he doesn't, then perhaps he isn't really king after all. For example, let's say you were to identify, it's been a mount, mountain bike rider and, and we, we, we have a mountain bike rider here with us (laughs) hi mountain bike rider steve is a mountain bike rider now like what what difference does this make in steve's life well steve thinks about riding a lot steve learns a lot about riding and a lot about bikes he goes bike riding he finds new places to express his hobby and new places to ride you know if you want to know about any of the um uh Hidden back trails and little roads for like a 100 kilometer square radius of this place, talk to Steve, he'll he'll be able to tell you all about them. Uh, He could probably get a job with state forests, yeah, maybe. He hangs out with other bike riders to encourage each other and to get better at what they do and to get fitter. He wears the clothing of a bike rider, which just happens to be an orange fluoro t-shirt and those... um, special um, wetsuit material kind of crash pads that you put on, all right. His identity has has impacted the way he thinks and what he does. And so Steve can legitimately claim to be a mountain bike rider. Now, let's compare Steve with myself. I own a bike. I know how to ride my bike. And very occasionally, I actually do. But if I were to go about claiming to be a mountain bike rider, you should probably tell me that I am delusional and kidding myself. Uh, Because it it, it doesn't change what I think about. It doesn't change how I spend my money. It doesn't change who I hang out with or what I spend my time doing. It, It doesn't change who I am. So who is King Jesus to you? Does he change your life? Second question uh, is a similar one, but, but who am I? And, and this is a question of identity. Are you one of the people of God? Again, is Jesus your leader and king? Who am I? Have I recognized and announced the claim that Jesus has over my life? You know, the, the Hebrews recognized the claim that the Lord had over their life by painting blood on their doorstep, on their doors, didn't they? how do we recognize and publicly announce that we have been crucified with Christ that we no longer live but that Christ lives in us how do we do that as Christians I mean, there's lots of different little ways we do that but do you know what the big way is that we do that one big way we do that baptism baptism as confessing believing people we are immersed in water as a symbol of dying with Christ and we're pulled out of the water as a symbol of being raised to new life in Christ you know baptism is a significant and a public way of acknowledging the work of Christ in us it's our way of painting the doorposts of our home or the doorposts of our lives with the blood of Jesus it's our way of saying your sacrifice Jesus It was for me and I am proclaiming that publicly. That's who I am. That's my identity. So if Jesus is your king and the final authority in your life, and if you haven't been baptized, then you need to come and see me. I'm serious. You need to come and see me. The weather's still warm. Don't wait a couple of months. It's going to be too cold then, okay? The weather is still warm. Our pool is still good to go. Let's so wind back that blanket. Think about it. It's important. It's important. This marks the beginning of your new life with God, your free life rather than your slavery life. Galatians 5.13. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Your new life will be one of service to each other. This should be your new and overriding priority in life. Rather than doing the things that gratify your own selfish pleasures, and if you read Galatians 5, you get a a rather fantastic list that I love because it talks about things like hatred and selfish ambition and factions and rebellion and fits of rage in the same list as sexual immorality, witchcraft and drunkenness and orgies. And, and I know as Christians we often think that, that, that one half of that is somehow a worse sin than the other half, but we kind of forget that, that we engage in hatred, factions, dissension. We're part of that list. Your new life should ooze love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. That's kind of your, your measuring stick. Should ooze, yeah, our identity as Christ followers should, should be one of kindness in the place of ambition. Replace your ambition with kindness peace rather than factions, love instead of hatred, self-control rather than fits of rage. know, you need to draw a, a line in the sand under the old. The old you, it does not exist. He is a ghost and, and, and phantom pains from a limb that, that has been amputated. That's how you need to see your old life. Sometimes you're going to be painfully reminded of what has been cut away from your life as those old thoughts and desires come you know know that they have no sovereign power or control over you they are your pharaoh they were once your master they once enslaved you but now the lord has set you free the third question for us this afternoon is where do you belong how do we live as god's people as brothers and sisters we serve each other in love and we come together as as the come together as the church we gather as the church we identify as this this nation of called out ones separate and distinct who bear the blood of the lamb upon the doorposts of our hearts in exodus the people were told to celebrate god's work of freedom regularly teaching their children and reminding each other of god's goodness and faithfulness to them and we're told to meet together regularly as church aren't we to celebrate god's work of freedom for us This is not just an Easter thing. It's an every week thing. You belong to each other. You belong to the church. I think this is a good spot for us now to to leave our little series on Exodus. At that that point where God has brought deliverance and freedom to his people. And as they they leave uh, Egypt and they leave slavery behind. I've got a video that I want to show you and I think this just really, for us, brings home what Exodus and what Easter is really all about uh, and really emphasises that idea of of freedom from those things that that used to enslave us. So we'll we'll play the video and then I'll just say a a few more words. He's making you new making you new. Praise God. Praise God. The promise of Easter is he makes all things new and that's promises for you. And it is finished. Jesus rose from the dead. Whatever whatever it is that you battle, he he has power over that. Whatever it is that imprisons you, he has power over that don't allow your old self any authority to speak into your present it has been crucified with christ jesus didn't stay dead he rose and on easter sunday we celebrate his victory in our life don't walk in your old ways walk in the new life that you have been given I'm going to pray now, but um, I just really got the sense while I was writing this sermon that there are people who uh, are, have been imprisoned by things in their life, some stuff that is still holding you back. I get the sense that there's, there's people here who are, are imprisoned by rejection that they've experienced perhaps on multiple occasions and that this rejection is something that, is holding you captive. It is stopping you be the you that God created you to be. There are people here who experience shame. There are people here who experience guilt over things they've done in the past or areas of their life that uh, they're not proud of. Thoughts that they're not proud of things they've done that they're not proud of. I'm going to pray for these these things and I'm going to pray for you just as we close our eyes, as we bow our head, just um, in your heart, humble yourself before God and bring those areas of need and brokenness to him and he will set you free. You have been crucified with Christ. Let's pray. Lord God, we we confess that you are King and Lord over our life. We confess that we are powerless to to do anything about the the areas of brokenness or sin that um, have held us captive. They've kept us from being the people you made us to be. So we bring those areas to you now. We bring rejection to you. We bring shame to you. We bring our guilt to you. We bring our our wrong thoughts. We bring our selfish desires, our selfish ambitions to you. We bring to you our, our obsession with, with money and finances, our obsession with, with things. We, we bring to you our, our obsession with being noticed or valued or appreciated by others. We just confess that we need you to set us free in those areas. Jesus, we declare that you are king over our life. We declare that the blood of the lamb is painted over the doorposts of our life. We thank you that that the blood of the lamb means that the work of Jesus is finished, that that we don't need to strive, that we don't need to to wonder, that we don't need to do better or work harder, but that it is finished and that, that the power of the enemy in our life has been broken once and for all that you are our king, you are our Lord, you are our master. We declare that rejection is no longer our master or all our, our ruler. We declare that guilt and shame no longer have any hold over us. We thank you, Lord, for the, the love of you and the love of others that is, is growing day by day in our hearts. And we open ourselves up to a continued work of your spirit in our lives. Lord Jesus, just come and burn away all the old and let the new creations that we are shine. We thank you that we have a new identity, that we are marked as belonging to Jesus, that, that we are ones who, who grow in your love and your patience and your kindness and your forgiveness and your mercy and your self-control. We thank you that in the name of Jesus, we experience your abundant life, that river of life that just flows up in and through us. We thank you, Jesus, that you conquered death, you conquered the grave, and that we can live new lives in you, with you, and for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If anyone wanted prayer about any any anything that was raised today, if you need some prayer, hey, I'd love to pray with you. It's a really significant thing to to come forward and say, you know what, this is me and I need prayer. So if you need prayer, come and come and see me. Don't leave here today with any of this stuff of the old nature, still hanging on, still still questioning, still grabbing you there. Know that before you leave here today it has been settled once and for all. Okay. But for everyone else. The Easter eggs are calling...